Okay, here we go again. Uh, last time we were talking about the importance of faith in God to do what he said he will do. This one's about faithfulness, that our, your uh, privilege and your responsibility to labor well uh, within what God has called you to do. This word from Keith Hazel seems to me to be quite an entrustment to you. You're being entrusted with something wonderful and entrusted with a significant uh, responsibility. And you're going to need to be faithful in that. And here are a few things that Jesus said about faithfulness that I trust will help you to be faithful. Luke 16, uh, just verse 10 to 13. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, as money, who will entrust to you the true riches? If you have, if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Did you see the three categories there? Faithful with the little, faithful with money, the, the natural or material, and faithful with another's, that which belongs to another. Let's look at each of these. So first up, faithful with little. For Gateway Church, you individually and you collectively to, to do well with this prophetic word from the Lord. It will require you individually and collectively to be faithful in many mundane little things. HMS Pinafore by Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, I won't sing this uh, part of a song to you. I will spare you that, uh, that trauma, but I will say it to you. When I was a lad, I served a term as an office boy in an attorney's firm. I, I cleaned the windows and I swept the floors and I polished up the handle on the old front door. I polished up that handle so carefully that now I am the ruler of the Queen's Navy. The point being made there is because he was faithful with the little things, like polishing the handle on the front door, the culmination of faithfulness and little things ultimately led to being, him being entrusted with much, being the ruler of the Queen's Navy. Makes me think of um, King David when he wasn't King David, he was just a teenager and he was visiting his brothers at the battlefront and he heard G uh, Goliath, the Philistine, shout the odds and it grieved him as a 17-year-old boy. He, said, he thought to himself, this is ridiculous. We're the army of God and we've got this this Philistine uh, defying the armies of the living God. So he goes to King Saul to plead his case. He says, I want to, to take on and fight uh, Goliath. And Saul is pretty dismissive. And the argument that David uses when Saul says, what makes you think you can do this? David says, well, previous to now, I've killed lions and I've killed bears. Implication, I'm now ready to kill a giant. Now, for me, a a lion and a bear, those are not small victories, but to David they were. But the point is, we need to be faithful 
and killing lions and killing bears. That those all culminate, they all culminate into us gaining great victories. And the kind of proclamation that God's given you through this word from Keith Hazel, that that's a great battle and it's a great victory that the Lord will give you. So faithfulness in lions and bears and the mundane things are so important. Uh, when I was at, at university, I went to Cape Town University, and uh, then I was a high school teacher uh, for a few years, uh, three years, and then Ashley and I felt called to plant a church at River of Life in Harare. And it meant that I would be preaching every week. I mean, Ash and I, we could hardly spell church, but we thought we'd give it a go. And um, I wasn't an experienced preacher, and I knew that I needed to improve very quickly as a preacher. So I was preaching probably 45 out of 52 Sundays in the first year. But every week I would set up um, Ashley's teddy bear um, on, on the, the table um, and I would preach at home my Sunday message probably three or four times to Ashley's teddy bear to practice. Honestly, Ashley's Ted wasn't particularly responsive, never really said amen. Sometimes I could have sworn he dozed off a few times. But the point was, I packed into my first year of preaching four or five years worth of preaching because every sermon I preached, I preached probably a total of four or five times in practice and, and one times live, one time live. I was trying to be faithful with the little things and I think that, that helped me get a good start out of the blocks. When I was at um, college, I, uh, uh, University of, of Cape Town, I heard a message by a preacher called Rick Godwin, and he was speaking from Zechariah 4, verse 10. Wonderful phrase in it that says, Who has despised the day of small things? And that impacted me greatly. It was nearly 30 years ago now, but I can remember it vividly. And it's been a message that's really lived with me since then. Do not despise the day of small things. The application for me back then, it was, it was pre-computer era. Computers were just coming in, but I didn't have one. Um, application for me is I decided that when I was writing my assignments at university, I would from that moment on underline my titles in red pen. You didn't have to underline at all. And you, if you wanted to underline just quickly, you pick up the ruler and the pen you're writing with, the blue pen, you just underline. For me, it was put them both down, red pen, ruler, underline, heading in red pen. Just trying to be faithful in small things. Another application is I kept my room tidy from that moment on. I wanted to be faithful with small things. I wanted to change the world for Jesus. I, I wasn't really positioned to do that yet, but what I was positioned to do is to not despise the day of small things and learn character and discipline in those early days. I was uh, given the job of cleaning the toilets on summer camps. Certainly not every summer, but many of the summer camps in that era of my life. And man, you could have eaten off those toilets. They were so clean. I wanted to disciple hundreds for Jesus I really only had the opportunity back then of discipling one or maybe two or three, three guys in my residence at university. I, I did that with my whole heart. Do not despise the day of small things. Charles Dickens said, whatever I've tried to do in life, I've tried to do it well. Whatever I've devoted myself, I've devoted myself completely in great aims and in small. I have always been thoroughly in earnest. So if you desire individually and as a church to do big things for God, do little things well. If you desire to do extraordinary things for God, then do ordinary things well. If you desire to be fruitful in terms of this prophecy from Keith Hazel, then I'd encourage you, my brothers and sisters, 
be faithful and God will bring the fruit. That's faithful with little, faithful with money. Um, Again, back to my university years, that was when I first heard about tithing. The Old Testament law, New Testament principle, I believe, uh, no longer a law, but a great principle of giving 10% of your income to the Lord. I heard it as a student at university and I loved it. I remember I, I, I was just defenseless. I thought this is genius. Uh, you mean that uh, by giving 10% of my income away each month, I can personally stay free from the love of money. What a small pi- price to pay to stay free from the love of money. You mean that it's a proportional thing. So the millionaire who's giving a whole lot more to the church each month than I am, he's giving 10%, I'm giving 10% before the Lord. It's like proportionally the same. That's terrific. And then my pragmatic side kicked in. I realized, wow, with everyone just giving plus minus 10%, we can fulfill the mission that God's given us as a church. That's terrific. So I... I, I just offered no resistance uh, to tithing at all. And I had two jobs at uh, university. One was selling paint for a paint company and the other was uh, teaching guitar to little kids. Two little sources of income. And I remember in the early days then when, you know, not bank accounts and things at university, it was all, all cash. And I would, I, would, <laughs> I would do it on my bed, piles of money on my bed and paper clips and, you know, that's for the Lord and this is for me. And it's very good to do it old school sometimes. You know, if you just hit enter, you don't really feel it. Doing it old school, it's like with, with maybe 10 rands, rands is the South African currency where I was at university. So uh, 10 rands, so 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, that's for me and one for God. <laughs> wow, Lord, this is unbelievable. This is all yours and you're, you're encouraging me to give you around about 10% and me keep the rest. That's nothing. 10%, let's do it again. And another 10, 20, 30, and one for the Lord. And when you do it like old school, you actually see it. It's like, oh, this is not such a big deal. It's an absolute privilege to do it. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you individually and as a church to really win through on this issue of money or unrighteous wealth, as Jesus called it here. Jesus was pretty specific that we won't be entrusted with true riches true responsibility if we're not responsible with money. So individually and corporately, I encourage you, charge you, urge you to win the battle of love of money and prove that it's won by being diligent and generous and joyful and disciplined in giving away money to the cause of the gospel. And then the third thing is to be faithful with another's. So if you're on the clock of your boss, although he's not watching, the Lord is, be faithful with how you live out your life when you're on your boss's time. Represent your boss well, even if you're in a tough situation. Don't throw him under the bus or her under the bus. Represent your boss well. When you rent a vehicle, when you hire a car, that's another person's, it's another company's. Don't, don't, don't pull wheelies and rev too high. Treat it as you would as if it were the Lord's because it actually is everything belongs to him be faithful with that which is another's in fact all of church service all of our service in a church context is being faithful 
in that which is another's. The, the church is the bride of Christ. We're being faithful with another man's wife, aren't we? Look for opportunities as a church to serve beyond yourself. I want to thank you for all your direct and indirect contributions to advance, whether it's financial or with Matt and Grace and their time, some of your other elders and leaders with their time uh, for uh, sowing your dear friends up into Glasgow and taking a hit yourself as a church that the gospel might advance in Glasgow. Well done for being faithful with that which is another, not just that which is your own. So how are you feeling about this call to commitments? Let me close with a few encouragements uh, for you. In terms of motivation, what helps me be motivated to commit and stay committed is Jesus. That Jesus was one who gave himself wholly to the purposes of the Father and wholly to the mission of redeeming us. Uh, Mulling on that, it softens my heart. It stirs me to want to commit to give my life to the one who gave his entire life to me. The second motivation is that heaven awaits us. Part of the the FOMO of this age we live in, the fear of missing out, is we think that death is the cutoff point. The Christian gospel says your death is, is not the end of you, it's really the beginning of you. That there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. We're going to be able to work and play and socialize and enjoy life. And in that total absence of sin, the perfect presence of God, a redeemed new earth and a new heaven somehow blended together. Death is not the end. We are able, we are empowered to say no to a whole host of things in this life. Knowing that in all eternity we'll get those things back and much more. God will see us good. And thirdly, be motivated that true satisfaction comes from serving Jesus. I, I can get a bit confused, my flesh can get a bit confused, that if I, if I am faithful with the cause of Christ, then I'm missing out on that which will satisfy me. No, Jesus is the bread of life, that satisfies our hunger. He's the water of life who satisfies our thirst. Actually, anything else will be like drinking salt water. It'll have a, yeah, some benefit, but it'll leave us thirsty. So this call to faithfulness, it's actually God's kindness to us. It's the way to ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment. May God bless you to be faithful in the little, faithful with the natural, particularly money, and faithful with another man's as you live in the good of this prophecy from Keith Hazel.